Good morning, church, and happy new year. How's everybody feeling? Are you thrown off by our strange seating arrangement this morning? Chris loves it, so that's what matters. Okay. You will find out why we've done things a little bit different. We're going to have a really special time together this morning. We want to celebrate uh, the new year together in kind of a unique way, so uh, hopefully it's a blessing for you. But most of all, I'm just excited to see your faces, to be with you, to worship God. Uh, Hopefully you had a great uh, night last night. If you're anything like me, you did not stay up till midnight. Who, who is in bed by like nine? Anybody? Yes. You people have been filled with the wisdom of God. Let's be honest. Why would we stay up till midnight? Nothing happens. You can play the countdown on your TV on YouTube at nine. It's okay. It works. But I'm excited for a new year, new things that God's doing. Uh, and there's a lot of things coming up at church I want to make you aware of. But first, if you're a new guest with us, first of all, thank you for joining us for worship. We're glad you're here. Uh, I would love to meet you, and we've got a gift for you at our welcome desk I'd love to share with you as well. So make sure before you leave this morning, if you are new, come chat with us or stop by the desk. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, We are going to come before the one who has been with us in 2022 and is here with us in 2023. I can't even believe it's 2023 already. Uh, But would you just pray with me that we get our hearts centered on him? Because the best way that we can start this year is to put our eyes on the one that's loved us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this chance to gather as your people. Thank you for this family of believers that love you and who you have loved. God, I pray that this morning our hearts would be yours, our minds would be yours, our attention would be yours, and that the first thing we do in 2023 would be to remind ourselves of how wonderful you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I mentioned uh, earlier that I'm shocked that it's 2023 already. I feel like that's the, the sense I have almost every new year you feel like the last year just went fast and it goes and goes and goes. But the one thing that always stands out is you ever get to the end of the year and you see online and you see around you all of these uh, 2022 in review trivia quizzes. How much do you remember about what's happened in the last year? And it's always totally traumatic because you realize that you were not paying attention for 365 days. So here's what I'm going to do for us this morning is I'm going to test to see how many of us were paying attention to what was going on in the last year. Do you feel confident about this? Oh, who said that? Will Robinson, come on, man. Okay, so we're all going to be judging you, Will, based on your answers to the following questions. I'm going to give you some questions. I just want you to respond where you are. Just shout out if you know the answer. Um, let's see, what, what do you got here? Um, okay, how many prime ministers of the UK were there in 2022? That's right. Someone was paying attention. Was that you, Bob? Okay, Bob, you can always count on Bob for a good piece of trivia. That's right. It was Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, and then Truss, and then Rishi Sunak. We like to change our leaders over. We don't like any of them. Uh, okay, well, does anybody remember what was the big drama at the Oscars this year? What happened? Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in front of everyone. Woo! Uh, does anybody remember what happened to Twitter this year? Elon Musk bought it. Does anybody know how much he paid for Twitter? $44 billion. Some people have too much money. It's too much. Uh, Which great and majestic well leader died in September? Queen Elizabeth II. Does anybody know how long she reigned for? 70 years. Just short of 71 years. The longest reigning monarch in British history. Does anybody know what the biggest film of 2022 was? Top Gun Maverick, yes, breaking out an 80s sequel. Does anybody know how much money it took? Like how much money it brought in? $1.5 billion. 
Tom Cruise is doing pretty good in his uh, senior years. Okay, there was two big sporting events this year. There was the Soccer World Cup. Does anybody remember who won? This was just recently. Argentina. Argentina, that's right. And then who won the Winter Olympics? How many of you remember that the Winter Olympics happened this year? Not me. The Winter Olympics happened. There was a winner who had 16 medals. Does anybody know which country had 16 medals? Norway. Well done, Kevin. Well done. Okay. So many different things that happened this year. We could go on a whole list of things. A lot of those things I'm sure you forgot with this year. felt like it was the year before. Many of those things maybe you forgot entirely. But the year moves so quick, we forget. We miss the details. And if we went all the way back to January 1st, 2022, we could say, what did we expect was going to happen in the last year? Did we expect that all those things were going to happen? Some of those things were planned and predicted. Some of those were completely out of the blue. Some of those things were hard and sad. Some of those things were cause for jubilation and celebration. But what did we expect at the start of the year? And maybe if we take it out of the world events and all of the crazy things going on around us, and we ask ourselves this question, what did we expect God to do in us in 2022? And did he do it? What were our expectations for the things that he would ask of us, the things that he would say to us, the ways that he would move in our family and in our hearts? I bet you a lot of us, if we went back, we can't remember and answer that question or whether we were thinking about that. And so what I want to do in the start of 2023, as much for myself as anybody else, is to ask this question. What is Jesus going to ask of me in 2023? What are the things that I can expect him to say? What are the things that I should be looking for this year coming my way? I think all of us would love to know the answer of that question. A new year is always a moment of a little bit of anxiety, wondering what's going to happen in this year. But what if we ask that question? What will Jesus ask of you in 2023? I think there's a very simple answer to that. He's going to ask you to follow him. This is what he said to his disciples in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. He said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? This year, there's one thing that I know with absolute confidence, and it's that Jesus is going to ask you to follow him. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, all the different circumstances that are represented in this room, every single one of us are going to face the question from Jesus, will you follow me? What does it really mean to follow him? Because if we're being honest, we can read that, And we have a lot of junk around it. What does it really mean to follow him? What it doesn't mean is to simply have a belief in Jesus. Following Jesus is more than just agreeing that he was an important religious figure that we should all have an opinion about. It's even more than just saying that he was God. Following him, the best way to put it, is an intentional and active turning in your life in the direction that he leads. An active turning in your life in the direction that he leads. So the first thing that following Jesus is going to have to mean is a surrendering of control. It means we're going to have to surrender control. Notice when Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and he's talking about what it means to follow him and about taking up your cross, he says in verse 24, For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so when he's talking about following him, he's setting it up as a direct alternative to following who? Yourself. 
He's saying, come and follow me. Because whoever tries to follow or lead themselves and follow themselves, it's going to end badly. So following Jesus is a better option. It's Jesus in his kindness and his love saying, I've got something better than you leading yourself. Now I say it's a better option, but if we're honest with ourselves, when we read passages of scripture like that, they're not our favorites. They're not the ones that we wake up and say, let's flick to the part where Jesus says to follow him, to take up our cross, to do the hard things, to surrender control, because we like to be in control. It feels safer if we're in control. Jesus offers us so many things that are easy to say yes to, forgiveness and redemption and restoration and healing and hope. But he also says that the path to those things involves a loss of control. And that's where we get just a little bit fidgety. Last week, we were celebrating the Christmas story. And one of the most important parts of the Christmas story is that when the king at the time, King Herod, finds out about the birth of a new king, what's his reaction? It's to go and make sure that he kills every infant under the age of two in Bethlehem. Because the idea of losing control of his throne is so terrifying to him, it's better to commit murder than actually lose that throne. Now, we can all look at Herod's story and say, well, wow, that's a, that's a guy that went to extreme lengths. But the truth is, how many of us are also nervous about losing the throne in our own life? And maybe it doesn't look quite as dramatic as it did in Herod, but we're still wrestling with Jesus to make sure that we don't lose control of that throne. And what we do is we unintentionally or intentionally sometimes, we reduce Jesus. We edit Jesus into some version that fits neatly into our lives that's not gonna take away control from us. We make him fit our interests and our concerns and we slice him into chunks that we can rearrange as we need. And we take as much of him as we can without losing control. Sadly, there isn't anything like a Jesus that you can edit. There's no such Jesus. So if we're going to follow Jesus in 2022, 2023, the first thing we do is surrender control. But the second thing that we've got to do if we're going to follow Jesus is it means we've got to change our priorities. We've got to surrender control and we've got to change our priorities. Listen to this, one of the hardest passages of scripture I've ever read in my life, Luke 9. So this is in the same chapter, this is in the same kind of moment as Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples about following him. A lot of people like the sound of this. A lot of people in Jesus' day were interested in a rabbi that could work miracles and do amazing things and, and what he might do for them. And so a lot of people came and said, actually, yes, I would like to be in on this. And this is what happens. Luke 9, 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and beds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another, he said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a hard passage of scripture. It's that edge to Jesus that we don't often think about. We, we like to, again, romanticize Jesus into someone who never asks anything hard of us. But yet in this passage, we've got a Jesus who is saying there is a cost to coming after me. There is a change in your life that will be necessary. 
It's an uncomfortable passage. Let's look at each concern that's raised because in this passage, as, as difficult as it sounds, maybe as harsh as it sounds, Jesus is actually revealing his great love for us, his great grace for us. First, Jesus gives a warning. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The first person comes and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And what Jesus essentially says is, I need you to understand following me means that you're gonna be following someone who doesn't have a home. Someone whose life is not comfortable. Someone whose life is difficult. Following Jesus doesn't mean comfort and security. Jesus wants us to know that we're not promised those things. And so following him means those things are gonna be on the chopping block potentially. The second guy comes along and he says to Jesus, I really do want to follow you, but please let me first bury my father. And Jesus says, no. Now that seems like a hard one at first glance, doesn't it? Seems cruel. This person's just lost their father. He said, please let me bury my dad. Why would Jesus say to this person, no? How can we say Jesus is loving and gracious and kind and caring, and yet he's saying to this person, no? Well, the interesting thing is a lot of scholars think that in this passage, what this person's really saying is not, I need to go grieve my father. He's saying, I need to make sure I get my inheritance. I don't want to lose the money that I'm going to get. That was a part of burying your family members. And Jesus sees through that and he says, I know what you're really asking me. You're not asking me, can I grieve your father? You're asking me, can I make sure that I'm safe first? Can I make sure that I get what I want before I come after you? The man wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't want to give up his inheritance because he knew that was his security for his future. That's what he'd been looking forward to his whole life. And Jesus knows that just like the first man, that following him was hanging on making sure that he had what he needed to avoid risk, to avoid losing control. Last person comes along. He says, let me say goodbye to my family. I want to follow you, but please just let me go talk to my family first. And what Jesus says essentially is, if you have your attention on what is ahead, it means you can't have your attention on what's behind. If your intention is what is on behind you, you won't look to what is ahead of you. This man didn't want to let go of what he had, and Jesus knows that. So maybe the question for us, if we want to think through the, the responses of these people and ask ourselves this, yeah, are we going to follow Jesus? We need to say, is there any place in our life where we're saying, I can't walk away from that? I don't want to let go of that. Is there anything that you know in your heart God has told you to stop doing and you're still saying, I can't let go? Is there anything that he's told you to start doing and you're not doing it yet? Perhaps like getting deeper involved in community, doing something like rooted, serving in some way. Maybe it's letting go of a certain relationship or changing a certain habit. You know, J.D. Greer, a pastor that I like to follow, he says, following Jesus means you lay down your life as a blank check and say, Lord Jesus, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I now and forever give fully and entirely to you. That's what it means to follow him. It's a radical reorganization of priorities and it's gonna be uncomfortable. It is definitely gonna be inconvenient. It is going to be disruptive and it's even gonna be counterintuitive. But we can't follow him on our own time and we can't follow him under conditions. Jesus' point is that he is king or he is nothing. 
Jesus is your king or he's nothing. We all have a beautiful choice this morning of starting this year out with a fresh decision to trust him, to follow him, and to find something greater for ourselves. Maybe we could take a little inventory sometime today and ask about three areas in our life. Three areas where we need to surrender control and reorganize our priorities. Maybe personally. Where do I need to follow Jesus personally? Where do I need to change the way that I'm engaging with his word? Maybe more time is simply the answer. To get in God's word, to read what he says, to get to know him better, to learn who he is. Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe you know that over the last year, your prayer life has declined, that there's not many times in the week where you're spending uh, time in conversation with God, where you're sharing your heart with him, where you're sitting in quietness and stillness asking him to speak to you. Maybe you need to meet with someone who can disciple you and encourage you. One of the most transformative moments in my life is when someone invited me to be a disciple. And at the time I thought, this guy's inviting me to be a part of a cult. I don't know what a disciple is. And when I learned what that is, it's simply to be in relationship with another believer who can encourage me in my faith, who can help keep me accountable and and know what are the things going on in your life that you want to change, that you want to work towards. It was really transformative for me. And I realized that not only is God inviting me to find someone who can be that for me, but he's asking me to be that for someone else. Who's the person in your life who you know you can be an encouragement to? Who you can walk beside and encourage? That's personally. What about communally? Where are the areas in our life we can ask ourselves, are we following him in community? Where do we need to be more involved? How can we be in real shared life with people? You know, one of the number one things I hear from different conversations here at Chapel Street, North Aurora, is that people love coming here, they love experiencing the grace of God and hearing the the good news of the gospel and the worship, but the one thing that they always kind of feel is that they sit in seats next to people that they don't really know. That it's easy to come here and to worship together and to celebrate this great thing that's happened, and yet week after week we sit next to people we don't really know. You know, following Jesus means that we are actively working against that. That we're saying that we want to be a part of a family. That we want to be in a community where we share life together. That when something hard happens, we know about it. And we come alongside each other. That's what the early church was in the beginning. They would share their possessions with each other. They would share the details of their life. They would confess their sins to one another. And it became such an inviting, beautiful community that people wanted in. Because people truly knew one another. Is that true of us? Do we want to know one another? Do we want to share life with each other? This is why we do Rooted. It's why we do small groups and Bible studies. If you have a question about this area of following Jesus, I've got good news for you. We have a long list of opportunities to help you. That's why we do it. We're not just trying to fill the schedule. It can sometimes feel like that when we come to church and there's an announcement about hundreds of different things. But the idea is that we want to create as many opportunities and spaces for you to engage in following Jesus. All of them are not for us, but one of them is. Two of them are. You can find little areas where you can go deeper in the community. And so if you haven't done Rooted yet, strongly pray about it. Consider it. Think about how you can get more involved. And lastly, think about yourself missionally. How can you follow Jesus missionally? A lot of us, we, we love diving deeper into community. We love diving deeper into God's word personally. And we chase after those things. But there's one area that we all struggle with. 
and that's being on mission. Making sure that what's happening in here is making its way out there. Who are the people in your life that you can share the good news of Jesus with, that you can love, that you can serve, that you can sit with and care for? Who are the people that you can invite to come and join you in community this year? Every one of us know at least one person who we can say, hey, would you join me for a Bible study this year? Would you join me to come and be a part of worship on Sunday mornings with me? It might seem like a shameless plug coming from the pastor, but the truth is, is a really important truth. Do you know that most people outside of these walls who don't come to church, the statistics tell us, research tells us, they're actually just waiting for one of their friends to invite them. They're curious, but they're nervous to go by themselves. So many different services have asked people, well, would you go to church if, if your friend invited? And almost a ridiculous amount, like I think it's like 80 something percent say yes. Just waiting to be asked. And who knows what God might do in their life through you if you live on mission, if you follow on mission. So this year, it's my intention for us as a church to keep our eyes on these three areas, personal, communal, and missional, to ask ourselves, are we following Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? We're gonna come back to them almost every week in some way. But I'm not under any illusion that all the things that we've talked about this morning are easy to say yes to because all of us have fear in our heart. We have questions in our hearts. We have doubts in our hearts. Is this really, if it's going to be disruptive, it's going to be inconvenient, if it's going to be counterintuitive, is it going to be worth it? And Jesus knows that you have those questions in your heart. And your Father who knows what you need has an answer. Because he's not just going to ask something of you in 2023. He is going to make a promise to you. A promise to you that will make following him worth it. What does Jesus promise you in 2023? He promises you himself. All of himself. I want to show you a clip really quick from a uh, show called The Chosen. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I love that, excuse me, I love that clip because it helps 
put a context for us what it would be like to be asked to follow Jesus. You know, it's the Roman soldier at the end. He says to Matthew there, he said, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? You have money. You have security. You live better than any Jew. Why would you want to go follow that guy? Maybe we could ask the same thing of Matthew this morning. Why would you want to follow him? It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be inconvenient. You might lose all of those things that you have. And yet Matthew says yes to it. And many people said yes to it. Why? If that's how plain Jesus was, if he told us this is what it's going to be like, why would anybody buy in with this? Well, Matthew, who uh, we saw there, Scripture tells us he wrote a gospel, the gospel of Matthew. And in that gospel, he records the words of Jesus saying this in chapter 6. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know what I think Matthew discovered and recognized? Is that he wasn't really losing anything, because he was gaining Jesus. He knew the trade-off was a no-brainer. Why would I hold on to what I could always lose when I could take hold of what will always be mine? Will never leave me, never forsake me. You know, Jesus knows that you have needs. He knows that you have fears. He knows that you have hesitations. That's why he says, don't ask those questions. I know that you're asking those questions. When he's preaching the sermon in Matthew 6, he's saying, I understand the questions that you have, but look at me, I can provide. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. God will take care of you. Your father knows what you need. You know, God could just command coldly, but he doesn't. God could just demand of us as his creation that we do as he says. But I want you to see the kindness of a God who would enter into our world, take upon all the burdens that we have and all the sufferings that we have and say to us, I understand you. I know your needs. I know your questions. I know your doubts. And I want to meet them. I want to care for you. If that's news to you, if you were under the impression that the Jesus that you come to is a cold, distant, uncaring, and unfeeling God that cares little about your concerns, I want you to breathe in the good news this morning. He understands them even better than you do. God is so much better at knowing what we really need so often we chase things in life that are not good for us. We find our security in the wrong things. We find our hope in the wrong things, things that let us down, things that fail, things that can't ultimately fill us up. And the great lie that all of us have believed is that God doesn't care about our needs. And the truth is he cares more than we do. That's why he asks us to surrender control. It's why he asks us to follow him. Because he is a better leader than we are. And he is far more loving than we are. C.S. Lewis once said, Our desires are not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And like an ignorant child, he wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus' mission was to expose the great lie that God doesn't care for us that the Father doesn't see our need. And that's why Paul can write something in Romans 8.32 like this. He who did not spare his own son, but give him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
I don't know what you're looking for in 2023. I don't know what your heart is set towards, but I know this, whatever it is, it's in the hands of Jesus. And it's nowhere else. Jesus is proof to you that God is trustworthy, that he didn't spare his own son. So why would we ever distrust that he can provide everything we need? That actually he is the place where we can bring all of our concerns and doubts and struggles. Jesus came into the world, came as a child in that manger to grow up and share in life with us so that we would see God's goodness, so that we would see him clearly, that we'd be brought out of this darkened understanding of God and be reconciled, reconnected to a God who loves us, cares for us, and leads us better than we lead ourselves. He is our hope. Hebrews 2 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Friends, the best choice, the best choice that you can make in 2023 is to follow him. To follow this king, this glorious, kind, generous, benevolent, loving, mighty king who has given himself to you. Who has come for you. Who shares in your struggles. Who's faced death and darkness for you. If you are tired, if you feel like Matthew sitting in your booth hoping that someone can make a difference, understand that Jesus has come by your booth and he said, follow me. Follow me. Now is your chance to come and better know the one who wants to carry you. Follow him with everything that you have. We're gonna close now with something unique. We're gonna come to the table of the Lord and remember Christ's death and resurrection through the taking of the bread and the cup. And we do this every month, but we're doing it a little bit different this morning for perhaps. We're gonna take more time, and what I want for us this morning is to not rush through this, but to sit and remember. Because communion, what we do here, it's a symbol, it's a proclamation of what Jesus has done. And more than that, who Jesus is. That he is the God that gave us his very body and his very blood. It is a communal celebration that together as a family, we recognize the God that's loved us and saved us. There's no better way to start this year than remembering not what God is gonna ask of us, but what he has promised to us. That he has promised us his son. So what I'm gonna do is, I'm just gonna read some scriptures. I'm gonna go through three sections of scripture that always help me remember who Jesus really is what he's done for me. I wanna read them together as a church family and then after I've finished, I'm gonna just take a seat and I invite you wherever you are as Eric leads and then plays some music to come to the table as you're ready. Come as a family, come by yourself and take bread and cup. And don't rush through it, linger, sit, rest. We're just gonna take five or so minutes just to together as a church family, remember who it is that we follow. Remember what he's given for us. If you uh, need help, if you can't come to the table, let me know and I'll bring it to you. Because this morning I want us as a church family to sit in this, to rest in this, to know this, that we're not alone, that he is with us. So let me read God's word over us as we come to the table. 
Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Colossians 1, 15 through 23 tells us, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And lastly, in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, we're told this. Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please come to the table as you are ready. I hope that as we close this morning, those last lyrics of that song would linger in your heart. He is forever yours. His grace towards you, his promises towards you are true. They are faithful They are unchanging. So as we go out into 2023, we're going to sing one more song together to remind our hearts of who it is that we follow. But as we do, let me offer this benediction. Would you pray with me? May we follow the one who has come for us. May we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because we know that all things will be added to us. It is in the name of the one who has given himself for us that we go. Amen.